0: Okay, let's begin. Alright, okay, so uh, Defen, episode 2, welcome.
1: Hello, this is Vijay. Hi, this is Ray. So apparently we forgot to, um, uh, at least Ray forgot to mention his name, so I think you should introduce yourself, Ray, again. (laughs) Okay,
0: yes, that was a bit, uh, I was too excited last week, last time. I yeah, was yeah. saying last week. I, I don't know what it is. Anyway, I'll get my name out now. Uh, Ray, Ray Macdermot um, here in Belgium. Vijay Karan over there in Holland. Um, definite episode two. Um,
1: so it, it's been it's been an interesting two weeks, hasn't it, Vijay? Yeah, I think it's it's been very exciting. I mean, I never expected this amount of uh, reaction from uh, from the listeners. I mean, it's I know. It's, it's amazing. <laughs>
0: It, it, it is f- phenomenal yeah um i can't believe how much uh attention the the podcast has got to be honest
1: yeah i think we we had i think more than one thousand uh, listeners on soundcloud or something yeah, yeah it was yeah. well
0: over a thousand yeah yeah um which is incredible and lots and lots of positive feedback um, yeah. on reddit and twitter and really really good i mean um it, it shows there's a there's a there's a hunger for information out there in the closure world and uh, if we can feed it a little
1: bit, then that's great. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's the whole goal of our show, anyway. So I've been very humbled by uh, a lot of uh, nice feedback we've been getting, and um, of course there was a little bit of a technical hiccup in the last uh, recording, but uh, I think we have fixed it now. So this much be the, the sound quality should be much much better from this episode. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: So, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, big week this week, eh?
1: Yeah, I think uh the the amazing uh, spec has been released, which yeah. is uh, fantastic news for closure and because I think most of the guys have been settled on schema one way or the other, but it is very nice to see um taking more hammock time to think about this stuff <laughs> and then come back with uh you know spec into the core. So that's yeah. that's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, what's what's uh by the way, by the way, just as uh, out of interest, you know, news never happens in closure you know we we get announcements so rarely that it just happens that after the first episode he chooses yeah. to release spec so you know, yeah. good timing rich of course, of course. yeah yeah <laughs> i'm
1: pretty sure he's listening to this and uh, laughing out loud all the time so i hope I mean if, if, i mean rich if you're if you're listening to this um, i'd be happy to have you on the show and uh, tell us that we are yeah
0: <laughs> My headphones just fell off at that point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I apologize for uh, for starting with uh, big jokes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Spec has been pretty decent. I mean, this is one of the nicest things. The at least if you see Schema, but taking that into next level, which is awesome. I yeah. think we should do a complete episode on Spec and yeah, I think uh, you're and, right. And we'll let well, it just
0: settle a little bit on it because uh, I yeah. noticed, by the way, that Rich actually is still in the. Uh, in the in the, the slack channels and this kind of stuff and on the yeah. emailing lists you know slapping people about using it for <laughs> uh, parsing text and shit like this yeah. so so yeah there's still there's st- the dust is still settling that's for sure but let's yeah. just have a quick i mean what, what you you mentioned there about the prismatic stuff um yeah. because that has been an absolute you know, a phenomenal thing. You know, you got, yeah. you, you've got a lot of this stuff from from Ambrose stuff, the the the, the gradual the typing stuff, typed. the core typed, yeah. and and that's I think that's been an interesting experiment. But the yeah. thing which is like really practical, the thing yeah. which really the community's got behind is the prismatic. I think it's now plumatic actually. Yeah, I think that's plumatic Yeah, true. And I think that's that's actually we've got a lot of mileage out of that. So I think kudos to those guys. Now, and I don't think people will drop it straight away. No, you know, no, no, I not, think not necessarily. People will, st- people I, will still I agree. be interested in it. It's still got a lot of mileage in it. Yeah. It's still got a lot of value. Yeah. Uh, but he did do some interesting things this time with spec. He he made some interesting reflections, didn't he? You know, against yeah. Prismatic, where where I think the one of the biggest differences is you don't have to provide the typings for the
1: keys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you can there is much more decoupling hmm. in terms of what you can specify. And also, I mean the 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 other nicest thing that I saw is that you get this generative testing for free. That that was most exciting part for me. Absolutely, in absolutely so incredible. I've been, Maybe I've we should been, just
0: quickly say what Spec is, though, just because I didn't think
1: we did that yet. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I think it's it's better to give a quick quick overview of uh, Spec. So Spec is essentially something like a, what uh, what we call um, occurrence typing. So this is because closure has been always. Uh, what you call like a optional typing friendly um yeah optional typing friendly language because everybody wants to get into uh, adding types later than than specifying types up front and if you see and and, and also it was very difficult to uh, provide provide or, or validate the data schema so to speak and that's the reason why the the name of the library was also schema and yeah, yeah. of course you can you can write documentation and you can specify what it means but it, it's it's not good enough so yeah so spec is essentially going to give you a couple of things like uh, how to validate the data and uh, destructuring and you can instrument the stuff that you have and you can have generative tests, uh, i think automatically generating generative tests and um, also error reporting so you you should have uh, all all this um Features, uh, using using a library like Spec. I think
0: that was that was one of the things to me when 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 um, when we looked at things like Core Typed and Prismatic Schema, Plumatic Schema, and the generative testing tools. They looked so close to each other. This is one of those frustrating things. Actually, was that. You know they didn't they were always kind of they, they didn't play well in the ecosystem with each other. they were kind of tr- stepping on each other's toes yeah. that's the nice thing about this stuff is that you know um it it, it does harmonize a lot of those uh, harmonize a lot of those thoughts yeah, and, yeah. you know it makes it practical as well so I think that's that's going to be a huge win I think for the community
1: of course, and also moving it to one of the um, core libraries makes it makes it available to everybody. So that that is much more. Uh, maybe I don't want to call it a blessed library, but at least you know there is a standard now. Um, people, everybody mm-hmm. can use in the community, and that everybody can reap benefits out of it. So that's pretty awesome. But I, I think th- it I is a blessed
0: I, library, isn't it? I don't think you. I, uh, I think anything
1: that comes
0: out of Cognitech tends to be. <laughs> that's true. You know, it tends to be blessed. I mean, I think there's a yeah. few things that are a bit. they a bit, let's say, you know, unblessed, like yeah. pedestal, perhaps. You know, yeah. It, yeah. That's kind of like. It's it's yeah, no one's hating on it, but it's it's not one of the it's not a core thing where this really is That's you know, true, yeah. A core this is part thing. Of like like, co- like core Async and that yeah. kind of stuff, isn't it? You know, this is this yeah. is definitely there as something which, you know, Rich and his uh and his core team are kind of standing behind.
1: Yeah. But anyway, I think we should um, move on to the main discussion for uh, for this episode. We should certainly do an episode about spec. I mean we'll we'll discuss more about spec when in, I think in the future episode. I think. I think. Also, please
0: try to uh, try and schedule your announcements around our show timing. That that would be good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's our humble request to, to the closure community. Yeah. So we, we'd have a lot of stuff to talk about, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and and we'd like to take the false credit of hey we we poked them to do this thing <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so the, to the main discussion for tonight. So we promised the guy, promised the internet that um we're going to do uh, an episode about reader this time. So Yeah,
0: that, I think what maybe just just to back up a little bit on what you were saying there is that yep. uh I think a lot of the feedback that we got from the first episode was yes, okay, it's good stuff. It's nice nice start. And obviously uh, I think people will try and try again hopefully and give us give us a second chance to stay with us. Um, this is definitely going to be a more technical episode. We're going to be going into stuff which is a bit deeper. Um, I think let's try and get a balance between. We're, we're obviously always trying to get a balance between stuff which is good for people that know closure and people that like don't know closure at all. So yeah. So we'll see how we get on because you know we, we've got a list of things to go through on this reader, and it's yeah. some of it's some of it's a bit arcane and a bit technical. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can keep it accessible. but I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah, like you said, let's crack on.
1: Yeah. So um, so what what is the reader? So why reader is so important in, in Clojure and, and Lisp? Well, maybe we should start with that, that part. Yeah uh, So in, in my mind, so if you see the compilation phases for a, for any, any given programming language, um, you have multiple steps, multiple phases in the compilation. Uh, you have the first step as um, lexical analysis, or there is a lexer that is mm. going to. So you're writing code, and code is essentially stream of characters. You're typing in with your keyboard frantically, and then you save it to a file. That is basically. <laughs> do you have to do it frantically? Uh, I think so. Okay, just checking. <laughs> because th- that, that's the that's the nice part, right? You spend enough time in the hammock, and then the the, the, the only delay is the your typing speed now. So you have okay. to type very quickly to to. Move your thoughts onto the onto the files. Right,
0: so sorry, I, I, I really I, I
1: just went <laughs> went off the topic completely there. Sorry, yes. Back to the front. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you have these characters, and uh, those are in your files, and your program is there, and then you use lexer, and then lexer is the one in the compiler phases or compilation phases that produces what we call tokens, and then you have a parser that is going to do some sort of a syntax um, tree or a parse tree that is going to generate. Uh, a proper syntax out of it and uh, that's I think that's called parse tree or something. Um, and then you have the semantic analysis which is the analysis phase and you get the AST. And from the AST the the, the final step is usually either generating the machine code or in the case of a JVM languages you know maybe a byte code or in the case of JavaScript it's JavaScript. Yeah. So you have these different phases in the compilation and, and an interesting factoid is that the latest Scala compiler has 25 phases that's, no um, that's fun. <laughs> um, Twenty-five but, phases. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to poke the poke fun at Scarlet Guys, but you know, the 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 I mean, it's it's a fairly complex language, so you need all these phases to generate these things. But coming back to yeah, but know, actually, LISPs, to your point
0: um, there, to your point there, that the 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 the, the, the Scarlet Guys have added um, like some kind of macro. It's a fairly yeah. naive, naive macro implementation
1: exactly. to their is, language,
0: so so I guess that adds a lot. And obviously, they've got all the functional stuff, the O stuff. It's a it's a pretty complicated language. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So it is a complex yeah, ambitious, language. Ambitious so. project, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So it's it's a complex uh, beast. So obviously, their compiler is much more. Um, yeah, it's not that easy. And and um, coming back to closure and, and lists, I mean, essentially, reader, you can treat reader as the a combination of lexer and parser because those two steps are essentially the same in in enclosure. So and and that is I think as you as you were pointing out when we were discussing before the show, it's essentially the literally the the UI of the language. Um, so that that's where the, the first part of the compilation step. So it, yeah, it also uh, validates. Sorry, go on. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. Go go ahead.
0: I was going to say the other interesting thing about the reader is that um, it does have uses on its own, and, and we'll see a bit later in our conversation, won't we, about like the Eden and stuff like this. Which yeah, you know. So, I mean, I know that um, some people use pre-processors or JSPs or these other type of things as kind of like um, tools on their own, but um, yeah. But it, but they're but they're also less powerful, I think, typically than these readers are. So yeah, I, I, I think what what's nice about it, I guess, is at the very beginning of the language, even in the actual tools to understand the language, you have decoupling um, between read and eval and print and then loop. So yeah. you know the reader is in itself um, a tool that has some you know some usage some usage outside of just purely um, the REPL.
1: Yeah, that's true. So because the reader is one of the, I mean, I think we'll, we'll probably discuss a bit what um, a reader provides in terms of those things. So yeah, those, sure, sure. So that, ge- that gives us much, much understanding. I think you were pointing out that um, um, reader is more like a, you can maybe compare it to the C preprocessor, for example. Especially right, when, you have, yes. um, when you have the branching in the code. So with the CLJC things, uh, do you want to uh explain the comparison a bit
0: uh well okay. my my thinking was actually to compare it negatively <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course i mean it's uh it's- well m- mostly the fact mostly the interesting thing about uh let's say the the reader is that it's not dumb whereas the c preprocessor is a yeah. pretty dumb um just a kind of thing that runs over your file and just cuts and pastes symbols so you know you hash define x to be abc123 and then whenever it finds hash x in any of your c files it just replaces it with abc123 and just cutting and pasting on mass is is not the same kind of macros that lisps have yeah Um, of course i mean i
1: think as you're pointing out it's it's essentially operating at the lexical level i mean it's just moving some text from here to there yeah (laughs) and that's what it is essentially doing yeah, it doesn't actually. The other interesting thing is that C, the C
0: preprocessor, doesn't understand yeah. C at all. It yeah, doesn't yeah. need to understand C. It has no bearing to 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 C at all. It's its own little mini language. Um, whereas the the reader is you know is a complement to is part of Lisp, and it's a complement to the language as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, the kind of if def things where you want to. Hide or show certain bits of code. There is a little bit of that with with this this cross language stuff between mm-hmm. uh, between uh, reader conditionals between closure and closure script, and we'll come onto a bit more detail about yeah. that yeah. later. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the the nicest part is that at every point um, you you're producing in in all these compilation phases, where you have reader, you have analysis, you have uh, macro expansion. Uh, at every point, all you're getting is closure um, data structures, so right. that, so you can you can operate on them. Uh, that's the whole definition of uh, having access to um, having access to closure forms everywhere with the closure library. So you can use the language to manipulate how the language is getting compiled. So that's the homo-iconicity that that we have. So which is which is pretty interesting in terms of uh, how readers operate, and and um, I think if we, if we see the what, what reader is doing, um, so you have, there are some fundamental forms that reader can understand. There are symbols, literals. Um, so if you type uh, a form, form is essentially an S expression. So anything that begins with a parenthesis, for example, and the reader understands it and then converts them into LISP AST or quote unquote AST, which is essentially LISP again. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have different kinds of reader forms um i'm not sure if we can go through through all the reader macro characters though but maybe we should explain <laughs> a bit what what they do um so there are there are some specific uh characters in the, in the in the language that are picked up by the reader and interpreted differently at the reading phase so uh, i i think it would be horrible if i keep pronouncing these symbols though yeah um, but but i think I there's, there are
0: some funky things though aren't there like like yeah. when when you first start doing it in the in the rappel you yeah. know, if you if you just type I think if we just type Hello World, for example, as yeah. a as a string, yeah. then you'll get back Hello World as a string mm-hmm. um in the REPL. And that's just because, well, it recognises that as a literal, you know. Exactly. Um and if you type in, I don't know, something like uh plus and then yeah. you you have one, two, three, well it recognises that as an S expression, that's all good. And yeah. then you can like like you say, you can do quotes, and you put a quote in front of a list, yep. and then that list is no longer evaluated as a list, yep. but it's but it's actually taken as literal a literal uh, value exactly. So, there, so was some, there was some there's some nice interesting things there in this uh, in these macro characters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So Sorry, one go of on, the inter- I interrupted you again.
1: So, yeah. So one of the interesting, uh, at least a couple of things that are that are um, that stand out for me is the metadata thing. So you can attach additional metadata to a given symbol or a given, yeah. I think essentially a symbol. You can attach metadata. You can specify. Um, well, a, you get some a,
0: typing hints there, don't you? Actually, because that's, uh, that's the that's the thing. And, and, and actually, bizarrely, I was looking through some code today, and I <laughs> I'm ashamed <laughs> to admit that I uh, I didn't I disco- only discovered today how you make a def private, and that's oh, through this metadata. With the, with-
1: yeah, that's true. Yeah, which
0: is um, yeah. I'm sorry,
1: everybody. <laughs> We're still learning, so that's fair <laughs> enough. But I think one time I used uh, the metadata or the type hints, or uh, I was writing a small uh, numerical library, and oh, yeah. uh, instead of using you know just just uh, the, to prevent reflection, essentially you know I specified Java long or whatever right, for the numbers, right. and that that was much more useful because um, and also making some constants, you know, those kind of things. It's it's very useful, and the other uh stuff that that is that stands out is the syntax quote and the unquote and unquote splicing that enable you to write a lot of macros and in in a in a cleaner way so you start with yes. the literal but in the body you want to evaluate again and then in the body you want to yeah go back to the literals again so you can do all this uh, macrology uh <laughs> with with these uh, reader reader macro characters yeah
0: i think i think we'll probably in the see, in the, you know in the course of this uh this podcast life we'll definitely have to talk a lot more details about macros one of these days because sure, uh sure. i i know that it's one of these things which is uh let's say underplayed enclosure uh, mm-hmm. Or downplayed, let's say, rather than underplayed, because obviously there's a shitload of macros and closure. Yeah, uh, but it's but it's downplayed um, because people, you know, would have data first, then functions, then macros. But it, but I think it's important enough for us eventually to have um, a longer conversation about them. Yeah, um, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say one of the things about this, all these like ints and longs and stuff like that. Though I, I don't know about you, but but mm-hmm. but I find it a little bit ugly. Um, you know I find it a little bit kind of anti-closure it starts to look a bit yucky I, I know you get better performance out of it yeah, and that kind yeah. of stuff so I see why people do it of course and, and you, you have to do it yeah. but it does start to feel like well what the hell you know we we came here to get away from these types you know <laughs> not I mean, not exactly but yeah you yeah know, but if at you least, have you know, to put these friggin types everywhere then it looks horrible yeah exactly I mean, the- which is why I like spec actually because can do both of course
1: yeah yeah i think one of the major um, use cases for specifying the types is to uh, prevent reflection i think that that's what i would think uh, because um you even even i know every time people talk about closure then it's essentially becomes a war between static typing or optional typing so yeah i mean yeah. that that that's something that i don't want to get into but you know sometimes you want to have we're the, in there mate. We're, in. we're in there we're in that <laughs> war Maybe we've we should. T- we've
0: taken side. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, um, with the spec thing, that you know, we're we're offering a little, you know, a little token towards the uh, <laughs> the typing people. Yeah, you know, that's
1: true. That's true.
0: But but you know, we can we can take that you know yeah. when we want it. That that's yeah. really good. You yeah. know,
1: but we're definitely we've taken aside. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, I I, I mean, I pick the right tool for the right stuff. So I don't want to be too diplomatic, but I, I prefer closure in. Because it doesn't force me to do things like specifying the types all the time. And that's not something... Uh, most of the problems that I'm working on uh, are, are essentially data manipulation. So I don't want to spend additional brain cycles on first thinking about the types and then dealing with the data. Because yeah. in the end, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm throwing the stuff into JSON. And what types do you have there? Uh, essentially none. <laughs> so- we'll come on to
0: that in a minute, actually. Because uh, we're, since we're talking about JSON, we should maybe talk about Eden.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. because so this is-
0: uh, that's also a part of this reader thing, you know,
1: yeah, so uh, I think we should explain what Eden is so Eden is essentially EDN uh, extensible data notation um, So that is one of the underlying well, I think, Yeah, I
0: think the background of that is that I think the background of that isn't it is that is that I think it was the the criticism of Jason basically is that it's it's not extensible That that's that's really the kind of motivating force, if you like, or motivating idea behind Eden and transit and all the kind of closure data formats is we you know, we have to keep the 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 data format extensible. We don't want the horror of XML back, but we want (laughs) the advantage of XML, which is the
1: extensibility. But there is an interesting thought experiment i don't want to call it a thought experiment but some people <laughs> claim that you know xml is essentially lisp in in angular angular angle brackets so or maybe i should say xslt not xml but xslt you know it it has the similar notions but i think it's too spiky with the square square sorry the the angle brackets i think parentheses are much more smoother to look at yeah, i don't you, know it's my you, personal you, preference
0: <laughs> yeah you don't have to say you know Open brackets plus, and then have a close <laughs> bracket slash plus at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's
1: horrible. Yes, mental. Yeah, yeah, but maybe I think I have some some more things to say when 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 we want to say something about the reader macros, though. But I'll hold the thought for for until we get there. But like, we right. should we should get into Eden a bit. Um, All right. Okay. So so even, yeah. So the
0: main thing is it's it's extensible. That that that's the main point, isn't it?
1: Exactly, and and also it's it's the essence of closure syntax. I mean, it's the Yes. basis of of closure so we, we keep saying hey code is data is code is data is code and recursively so on so on um so eden is essentially the 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 fundamental syntax of closure so you have all the um, list and maps and and whatever that you are used to in in storing the data in closure those those all those literal formats and are in eden so i remember that um there was this um uh, training by uh, Stuart Halloway and uh, Neil Ford, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that, yeah, on the O'Reilly yeah. stuff, yeah. Exactly. I think that they start the course with Eden, not with closure, but with Eden. So they first explain what Eden is because that is what closure is essentially in terms of how it looks like, and then they move to closure. I'd forgotten that actually, yeah, but you're right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we had a... I, I'm not sure if I can say this online, but uh, who, what the hell... Uh, <laughs> because as long um, as it's not one of these kind of gawker things where we're gonna get, <laughs> we're gonna get sued out of existence, I, I hope I hope what <laughs> guys are not gonna get pissed off with me. But uh, we had a viewing party of this um, of this <gasps> oh, uh, yeah of this uh, ep- episodes actually. I mean, we spent like whole day and uh, there were around ten guys and ten ten folks sitting together and then watching the whole closure thing. Um, the whole training by uh, Stuart Holloway and uh, Neil Ford in... I don't want to specify the place, just to be no, sure. No, exactly, yeah. yeah
0: <laughs> but that's a hell of a party, though, yeah. Okay, <laughs> anyway, anyway, right, back, yeah, back to back Eden. Eden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah, you're right. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. So, it's all all the kind of uh, the, the formats that you like, like you say, the lists and all that kind of
1: stuff. Yeah, but, but it didn't pick up, right? I mean, Eden was too closure-specific, and... It, of course, you can you can have Eden as an interchange format between different languages. Mm. That means you had to have Eden parsers in the other languages. Yes. So that was one of the painful things with with Eden. Uh, it's it's a perfectly suitable format if you have front end in ClojureScript Script and back end in I don't know Closure. Obviously, then it's easy to just shuffle Eden around. Um, but that wasn't the nicest uh, format to be used. Um. Yeah, I think also I think part of the sort of hampering
0: of the adoption was that people were saying, Okay, well, I like the fact that you've got this extensible data data notation, that's all good. But I'll tell you what, if I just put it out into JSON and I read it into my front end browser, it goes about a million times faster than Eden does. Yeah. Um, and that you know, that was that that hurt, I
1: think. Yeah, that's true. And then and then we have transit. Yeah. Which is essentially kind of a better format and and um, better uh, transitory properties is that a word i don't know um, uh, i don't know it's but <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe well, i should pa- explain what it means in my brain <laughs> so you can you can interoperate with other languages easily so you can send the format because it it can be passed by json easily uh, json engines or javascript engines and um, and it, it's much, it's much more compact i think it is binary so it's much easier to send over the wire and parse it and, and use it
2: yeah. but
1: um, still I think there are some projects I know that are that were using transit on github but I don't see enough um, of enough things that are getting picked up by uh, by the community a lot
0: I don't I, well again I think it's one of these things which is not seeing a huge adoption out in the wild but yeah. um, but obviously I think if you look at the kind of omnex stuff then I think they're using it as a as a as a as a means to transfer data backwards and forwards, yeah. also if I remember rightly, um, the thing about transit is that you can, if it's if it's seen a particular value or a particular um, key, then it can cache yeah. it. So you yeah. can you can you can speed up quite a lot that way, which uh, which actually makes it faster than than some JSON engines
1: as well. True, true. So I think we so, should connect it back. Why why we are talking about Eden because Eden is the is the stuff that is read by Closure Reader. So yes, that is uh, yes, that's yes. the idea behind um, having Eden or talking about Eden. And oh, that's
0: why I was saying at the beginning that it's one of these things where Eden shows that the reader has got more value than just in the REPL.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, Eden, uh, the whole extensibility is coming from the tag literals. Uh, so right. Tag literals are essentially the things that, um, in syntax-wise, it is basically hash and, and a word. And there are some default uh, or, or a built-in tag literals that you can use. So if you put a literal string for date, for example, then you can use instance uh, tag literal, and that will be read as Java util date. I think at least in Closure uh, and in CLJS, probably it will become JavaScript date. I think. And hmm. you can also have your own custom tag literals. What uh, they're called? Data readers. Uh, yes. Well, something called again. I think it's called earmuffs. Oh yeah, the star, star plus. Yeah, star, yeah. star. Yeah. So you can you can have your own data readers, and that is the extensibility comes in. That is where extensibility comes in. So you can you can define your own namespaced tag literals. Uh, for example, if I have a map with a person, and I can put a tag in front of it and call it, uh, I don't know, my namespace slash person, and then put a literal representation of the map, and my reader. For, or the data reader for that map will become uh, will will convert that into a person object or person struct or uh, record, for example. Yeah, I think so these, these
0: are quite powerful things actually because that's you know for certain. I mean, I think I don't know. I mean, I like UID and uh, UUID and time yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I'm a bit negative on the whole kind of uh, person stuff. But mm. I like URLs and you know kind of like things which are fairly. Generic in yeah. in the uh, would I, well, actually i don't know I, mean, I know I, I saw a video of uh, Steve Miner um, mm-hmm. uh, from a few years ago on Closure West talking about his tagged library, mm-hmm. which allows to do printing of uh, deaf records, which is which is interesting you know, so you yeah. can do that at the at the REPL. Um, yeah. But the other thing that I've, I, I, I don't know, actually, maybe as you know, we should have talked about this before, actually, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a kind of library out in the wild there of, of these generic things like hash URL or hash... Um, uh, like hash... Uh, uh, um, I'm struggling now. <laughs> I have no, to I'm, cut I'm this i <laughs> because in, in general... Hash thing.
1: Um, yeah, hash things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we can definitely have a hash thing. No, yeah, I'm trying to think things. of some generic and um, generic types of things like, you know, like obviously UUID and, and time is one. URL is another I can think yeah, of yeah, immediately. Yeah. You know, IP address, let's say. Exactly. There are certain or oh, telephone yeah. numbers or emails. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on my floor now. I can do it now. <laughs> um, so things like that, you know, like hash email would be a good one. Yeah, um, but you can have Or can hash postcode or something
1: like that. You can have domain-specific things like the bank account numbers, you know, IBAN. Right, or right, something. right. But but those. So, but
0: the, I mean, yeah. My question is, do we do we have those? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, actually, no, this is, no this man. could be a call out for the for the listeners. Actually, yeah. Um, if they if they know of such uh, libraries, because uh, uh, maybe it's just a, another form of lazy web here. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> I would quite like to know about them. You know? Yeah. And also, how how
1: pervasive is you know creating your own tag literals? Because one of the uh, suggestions was that hey every time you use a tag literal don't pollute the top level namespace but introduce tag literals for your own namespace yeah so mm-hmm. that's that's this, this these things look a bit like reader macros though right I mean are yeah at least, you know, definitely compensating a very limited for,
0: form obviously very limited
1: exactly form. exactly um, but we'll we'll get into reader macros later but the tag literals are, are interesting and I think that that is one of those things that gives uh, that give um Eden, the whole extensibility, I think. Yeah. So anonymous functions, for yeah. example, yeah. and the metadata probably as we talked about, and the DREF uh, thing whenever the they want to DREF yeah. and atoms. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever you're commenting, you're, you're essentially talking to reader in a sense. Yeah. You're skipping away things. And I think we should talk a bit about the um, security-related issues with, with, with reading stuff because reader is the one that provides the read function right of course yes yeah, that's yeah. right yeah so, um,
0: but actually what i guess there's two parts to reading isn't it i mean obviously mm-hmm. if you're going to read your code then that in the end causes eval doesn't it so yeah. you have to make sure that you're reading from a trusted source yeah. but there is a there is a version of read from uh, from eden yeah. Where you you're you're not allowed to do these evals. So that's uh, that that was a worry when I think it was in one five when it first started. Where it was there was a security risk at the beginning.
1: That's true. Yeah. But that
0: but that's closed down now. Yeah. Thankfully. But
1: now everybody should use the Eden reader instead of the Core reader. I think. Yes. It's exactly. It's not discouraged uh, a lot. Yeah. Um. But there is um. A, is this the same? Uh, the you said there was a talk about Steve Milner. Uh, that, that was in that was the
0: tagged library thing yeah okay okay yeah that yeah. was in the closure uh the closure clo- west closure west from a few years maybe. ago yeah maybe I, I did see link. another one by this uh guy called david greenberg which was definitely a very wacky uh kind of way of using uh or it was to my view it was a bit wacky uh, mm-hmm. view of using um uh, read lit- uh, tag literals which was this um spy scope. so you could it was uh, i think it was hash it was um Hash spy and then slash trace or hash spy and tag and stuff like this. And the idea was that in your REPL you could essentially put a little watch on on variables or forms mm-hmm. inside of your uh, code. So you could embed these these reader these tag literals inside of mm-hmm. your code and of course they would be they would get expanded by his functions. Yeah. Um so it, they could be printed out and all these kind of things. So it was it was a kind
1: of limited form of debugging. Yeah, that's true. I think it's it's. I don't want to call it. Well, this is a uh, interesting or quote unquote interesting use of uh, tag literals. I think because when you pointed out, I was looking at the code and and so it's essentially providing a couple of uh, data readers. So data readers are something that you. Um, that, that, that is essentially a small map that says, okay, if I see this tag literal, then this is the function that should be called. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So it's basically a mapping between these things. So if you say hash uh, person, and then there is a, or maybe I should say hash uh, namespace person or something, then you should uh, invoke a person constructing uh, function, for example. So the SpyScope it looks very interesting to me, you know, at least for debugging, you know, what is happening in the system. So Maybe this is not the original intention of the tag literals, but still, I mean, <laughs> it's a innovative <clears> use, certainly. Yeah, I
0: mean that that's definitely very close to a to a a reader macro. I think that usage. Yeah. Um yeah. M- Maybe uh maybe it's that would maybe it's the author would disagree there, but that, that's the way I look at it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so, so if,
1: if, if David Greenberg you are listening, yeah, to it, you know, <laughs> please please find Ray on in Twitter and oh. then just shout at him. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, David. Tell him, <laughs> I mean, him you're wrong. You have
1: misunderstood.
0: <laughs> uh, to, be, <clears throat> to be honest, I mean, I I, I mean, I typically, um, yeah, I don't always use a, a fancy REPL from Cursive. And I think if I was using a more primitive REPL and I, that's all I had available, then this scope would actually come in a bit handy. But I, I think these I... days, because uh, I use Cursive all the time, yeah. um, it's got awesome debugging. Um, yeah. And I think... It probably supersedes most of the stuff that's in there, but but like you say, at the end of the day, it, it it's kind of like a proof of concept, if nothing else. It's it, it's it's an interesting way of using these data, these uh, tagged literals.
1: That's true, but I, sh- I should probably clarify to the listeners that when you are saying primitive, you mean the most advanced REPLs like, Insider in Emacs, right? <laughs> uh yeah i think i think, I think we're gonna have a fight on podcast soon like cursive versus cider all right okay i'm looking forward to it bring it on so cider is I'm not sure it's alcoholic the and to do it
0: but what the hell
1: so cursive has curse in it and cider has cider so pick your battles man actually i think you win on that basis alone okay no no offense to uh cursive people so <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, I think the next interesting part in reader is that the reader conditionals. So we, we were we were explaining a bit about the ifdef sort of stuff in closure. Right. Preproce- yes. Sorry. Yes. C preprocessor. Yeah. So you can have, you can have um, essentially conditionally compile the stuff. I don't know if have you ever seen the .h files or the header files in cross platform. Um, C programs—they're—they're they're horrible. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I, well, I
0: worked with C professionally for nearly oh. ten years, so <laughs> yeah, I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm burnt by that big time. Yeah. Oh okay. God. But th- but yeah, there are interesting I stuff no. in. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I don't want to go into my whole history of, it, <laughs> of the horrors of C programming and stuff like that, Yeah, okay. but yeah, horrible, horrible times. Maybe
1: that that should be another episode that says how I moved <laughs> from C to closure. You know, oh God! Yeah, both uh, starting with C.
0: many other languages in between, but uh, but yeah, of course, of course. Uh, yeah. But that's a. Uh,
1: but but they're still around, right? I mean, if you're writing iOS code, for example, you would check for uh, the screen size and all the crap and what kind of platform you're on and yeah anyway let's not well, let's i don't not think you need to do that it.
0: anymore in, in all fairness i think yeah, yeah. most of these things are uh, fixed but the sea yeah, yeah. most of the, the things that i remember from the sea days mm-hmm. are actually a bit like this in the sense that um you know if i'm if i'm not rude about it really is that people tend to do people tended to uh use uh C macros and hash defines yeah. to to do platform specific things so yeah. you would you know you'd have particular things for x86 or for spark or for you know risc or whatever chipsets you wanted to do obviously it's yeah. a lower level than closure and closure script but yeah. but it's a very similar concept you know that yeah, that's true. you wanted to branch for this particular type of hardware and run this particular bit of code Uh, or you'd want to branch for another bit but but i I think you know it's only only like that from a from a distance really with a squint i think yeah yeah um but i think it has some equal equal issues in the sense that it can become a bit difficult to read and i think if you if you overuse this kind of stuff then you will land yourself in difficulties
1: yeah that's true but but the it also enables one of the nicest features, right? I mean, you can have the same code, which is uh, or at least non-platform specific code, um, written in a CLJS file, um, the conditional closure file, and, um, and and you can use the same code in in the front end if you are using a, a closure script, and you can use the same thing in the back end. So this is like one of the um, Nicest features of having a reader conditionals and also the whole cljc files. So, I t-
0: totally agree. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah. let's be honest, I mean, you know, I'm kind of uh, I don't be too, too negative about the confusion because most of our functions in that we really write are kind mm. of less, than, less mm. than 10 lines, so yeah, um, it, it's very different from the CP processes where you'd go like, you know, if Spark yeah, 100,000 we- <laughs> lines of code, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't hold that in your head whereas so this is de- very different. I I agree. And and this actually we we've, we've got hi- homo homo iconicity, you know, yeah. at the beginning with the reader yeah. and now yeah. we've got isomorphism. You yeah. know, so, you know, if you're not bewildered already, you know, yeah. you, you are by the end of it. But exactly. uh, but yeah, this isomorphism, this ability to run it, you know, on the back end and the front end. Yeah. That's uh, that's something which the the JavaScript guys are uh are also, you know, talking about with Node and and yeah. um, the browser. So you take the
1: same same code that is running in the browser and then move it into into Node.js or something. Yeah. But the but the nice nicest part for me is that I can I mean the one of the simplistic examples is that writing some domain validation code and, and you can just put it into a CLJC file and you can ship it to the front end where you can use the same validation functions. And you can use it in the back end. And so that is one of the simplest use cases I have in my mind for, for for having Definitely. the same code across different places.
0: Definitely. That's, that's a huge reuse win that is, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And um I think one of one of the uh if you I I'm not sure how many how many people actually dig into the source code of closure compiler though because uh, the... probably not that many. <laughs> yeah. But it could be well, go fun, on, do go on. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a fun exercise, but uh what I was alluding to is that we have this closure uh, essentially all the reading is happen uh, is happening in uh, Lisp reader or Java in in, in closure compiler not nice. not too long um, fairly standard uh, uh, parsing and and lexing sorry lexing and parsing code um, but one thing that is much more interesting for me is the closure tools reader which yes. is actually reader written in closure <coughs> and yes, that, that's, that's really awesome yeah exactly that's that's really super fun because that 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 is one of the things used in closure script compiler so they in in compiling closure script which would mean Essentially, compiling and parsing closure. Um, okay, I think I'm. I, I need to explain it a bit more. <laughs> so you're you're writing closure and closure script is essentially similar language. I mean, in all oh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, except percent, that there are some, yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, you would want to use the same code that you are going to parse closure and closure script because they're they're the same languages, but you don't want to use the whole um, JVM driven parser, but if you see closure tools reader which is actually closure parser or closure reader written in closure and that's what being used in closure script which is one of the nicest things because it I think, my, I, may, I may be wrong here, but this is one of the steps where you can go into closure in closure for example. So bootstrapping closure and then essentially writing closure in closure. I know it it has never been one of the goals of the community though <laughs> well yeah I mean I think
0: like like we like we were talking about this um a while ago is that it mm-hmm. essentially this proves the point, doesn't it yeah If yeah. you can write closure script in closure then you've kind of you know you've done you've done the uh you've ticked that box, haven't you really
1: exactly i mean for closure script it's already it's already the case but uh, but this was a
0: prerequisite wasn't it this closure tools uh, reader
1: i Think so, or maybe it, it made it even. No, easier. I'm lying. Actually, you're, you're right. It
0: wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't a prerequisite because yeah. this is only 1.7 plus, isn't it? Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and and of course, closure script was out before that. But yeah. what what I mean is, it's a prerequisite to bootstrapped closure script.
1: E- exactly. Yeah. And and also, it's it's it might be one of the nicest things that you can use to move to closure in closure. So to make closure self-hosted.
0: Well, I think what you should do is just make a pull request.
1: <laughs> of course all right <laughs> oh yeah you said just as well right you know, just yeah, make a point <laughs> okay. you've got yeah. most of it written haven't you i think i think i need like a couple of years of hammock time before <laughs> i can i can get there uh, I'm, I'm probably Ooh. not at that level though okay yet all right should, but, should we just round this discussion off then a
0: bit now i think yeah. we've because we've been going for quite a while on this oh, wow, so yeah. uh i uh, just sort of notice the time there uh so I think one of the, one of the interesting things about this is that in in Common Lisp and Scheme and Racket and all these other things is if there are these reader macros, uh, yes. so so users themselves can can extend the reader. And this yeah. this I think um, you know was the cause of much uh, gnashing of teeth when when Rich Hickey at the beginning said, "Well, you're not going to have them."
1: That's true. You know. Yeah, I mean this is one of the biggest contention points in 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 closure community, I think, because most of the people who come from Lisp. Are used to writing their own uh, user-defined reader macros, and I, there are some arguments on both sides. But I think I, I obviously the show is biased, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the, the 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 choice made by Richie Key makes more sense because um, if if you see a racket, for example, I mean you can create your own language in the middle of. Um, the 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 whole racket language. So, in the same file, you can start with language racket and then switch to language Poland or language whatever. And then, essentially, you're introducing multiple languages within the same language because of the reader macros. But that would mean you are. Uh, did we say complex on this uh, podcast already? I think
0: we've said it. Yeah, we can do okay. it. Go for but it. But I
1: think we'll we'll keep doing that in every episode. Then, yeah, um, <laughs> it's a so word
0: that's in. I mean, I think we should. You know. Just try yeah. and throw these words in there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly, but uh, I mean that that adds additional complexity. It, it complex the language because every library can essentially introduce its own language, which which is really not 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 what you want, uh, and and it, it's not common. Uh, it, it prevents you to have a common language in terms of closure. So I think that is one of the major arguments against having reader macros.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's one of these things where, to me, it's definitely... I mean, to some extent, reader macros make the language more powerful. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Certainly. Um, But I think the the problem is, as you say quite rightly, um, Mm -hmm. that power will give you the power to essentially make another language. And that makes the whole... I mean, that, that was one of the reasons, you know, there were many reasons, obviously, why yeah, the, yeah. the Lisp didn't really um, catch on. Uh, yeah. But one of these reasons, I think reading macros was definitely this whole notion where you had all these guys basically writing their own languages. And, you know, there was, that, that's almost like the hello world, you know, yeah. to these guys was, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just rewrite Lisp in my, in my, own, in my own image. Yeah. Um, and then they, they, they just can't share the code. Yeah, uh, that's true. If you're, if you're, the, the and why is that, by the way, just just to sort of finish that point a little bit, is that if I'm going to write a library mm-hmm. that I want to share around, then I have mm-hmm. to, I have to basically rely on the underpinnings of the language, you know, this language substrate that that behaves in a certain way, and I yeah. can then write these libraries. If that's um, true. if all languages are completely different, well, where am, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on sand, aren't I? Um, and that that 's really the advantage I think of the of the this particular choice is to limit the amount of um, languages out there you can always write a dSL if, you know, there's yeah, there 's yeah. no, no problem doing that I mean closure is exactly. perfect for those kind of things yeah but if you have to, but but if you 're writing the language differently then the amount of libraries that you can write for for closure just goes you know, well if you <laughs> if you write a new language essentially using reader macros yeah the the amount of libraries that you're going to get given to that mini-language are just going to mm. drop by a factor of, you know, a thousand. So that's a very long way of explaining it. Maybe it's a, but no, but I mean, my point is that yeah. that if you keep the language sane and uh, common, then yeah. you'll get a lot more ecosystem on top of it.
1: Exactly. I think it, it's, it's something similar to the, the, the code that is attributed to Richiki, or maybe he said that already, is that, you know, it's better to have uh, you know, uh, limited number of data structures having multiple functions operating on it than the other way around. So I think that was Alan Perlis, just, wasn't
0: it? But uh, yeah. long time before Rich Hickey. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So
1: maybe I'm 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 misquoting, but uh, hey, we like Rich Hickey, so <laughs> it's it's like on, on the internet you can just say, okay, Einstein said this. <laughs> oh God, yeah, <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me, though. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. Um, so I'm here for. <laughs> to to prevent me from making mistakes thank you i'm looking
0: forward to that pull request though i really am I'm, i'm really looking forward to it and i'm sure rich is as well yeah
1: i think we we covered pretty decent amount of stuff in this episode yeah perhaps we should explain what we are going to talk about next time
0: yeah i think we'll bring it up a level next time yeah. Uh and discuss what, what what we were thinking was, well, we talked about reader this time and that's yeah. the beginning of Reader Val Print Loop. Yeah. So it would be quite nice to have a little survey or a little kind of discussion around REPLs. So around yeah. the kind of tech in REPLs, you know, how does how do they work? Um yeah. what various REPLs we have um around around the community, um some standalone ones, some in IDEs, yeah. and what kind of workflow the REPL yeah. brings for you as well. Okay, you know, some some stuff around. Yeah. What happens when you change state, and also some other stuff with um, reloadable code. Yeah. Um. So
1: so that I think we we do all that kind of stuff next time around on the REPL. So this is essentially cider versus cursive fight. So people should tune in. <laughs> this is going to be a nice fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay right well, see, well i see. look forward to it
0: <laughs> bring you your best game <laughs> all right well honestly that that's that's good i think we've yeah. went a little bit long actually a bit, little bit a bit longer than that's last true. time but let's yeah. try and keep it under an hour so sure, i sure. think we should uh we should we should stop here we may yeah. b- I, I don't know if we'll um we'll be able to uh cut anything out of this because it was all totally awesome <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we'll see. Okay. Yeah, what we'll is that sh- comment
0: actually? We'll see. Um,
1: okay, so do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think. Okay, excellent. Yep. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, uh, we're going to post uh, the show notes and uh, all of the kind of where well, we actually post links to the 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 SoundCloud uh, MP3 on def, defn.audio Audio, DFN um, we also host the MP3 on SoundCloud. And if you go there, actually, a lot of people like SoundCloud over iTunes, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And uh, I like it a lot, actually, myself. Um, yeah. and uh, I mean, you, yeah. you
1: don't need to have any extra client or anything. Just go to the site and start listening. So that's much more uh, easy. I think it's better access, better accessible, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. But we are on iTunes as well, so if people want of to course. get it
1: that way. So, So, yeah, all good. Right, well. Cheers, yeah. BJ. Yeah, thank you, Ray. And uh, thank you to you guys uh, and and girls who are listening to this podcast and uh, hope to um, bring more closure joy in your way in the coming episodes. Yeah, thanks for all the support. And uh, hopefully we can uh, we can do it all again
0: next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Okay. okay. Bye.